Hello and welcome to Grotten Guardsmen, the podcast talking about all things 40k. I am your host, the Guardsman, Luke Hill. And I will be the co-host today, Benjamin Simpson, the Grot. Yeah, so today we have a cracking episode talking about many different things. Uh, we've got the new segment to begin with, talking about the new rumour engine and, of course, the new boys. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm quite excited. Um, we've also got a few other bits and pieces to get around to today, but... Um... Let's crack straight on then, yeah? Yeah, I think that would be a fantastic idea. So I think we'll start off with the April 20th rumour engine. So that was yesterday. Uh, at time of us recording, yeah. At time of recording, yeah. <laughs> Might not be when uh, this is out for you listeners. but <laughs> Yeah, if you're in mid-June, it's probably not going to be yesterday. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so what have we got for this? We've got some kind of weird disc thing with buttons on it and a hand. And mm-hmm. something else? <laughs> it's a very poor description. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's as you say, we have a disc which is sort of chopped into segments with a big light in the middle and some buttons to one side with a hand pressing them. Um, the hand is fairly human-ish. Uh, you can't tell colours as always because they're black and white. But yeah, it's, it's very humanoid. Um, yeah, humanoid. There's, not, there's no like claws and crazy stuff going on. And it looks uh, like it's wearing a glove. Yes, probably gloved. Some kind of like, you know, some kind of stone in the knuckle or armor plate in the knuckle, maybe or something. Yeah. Um, so, what do you reckon this is? I know what I think, um, but I'm interested to see what you think. I'm kind of surprised to see this, uh, but I think this is. Well, it's, it appears very Eldar to me. There looks like there's soul stones um, in a couple of places, maybe on the knuckle that the stone I was talking about, uh, and a couple on the disc itself. Um, I'm not too sure what it would actually be, though. <laughs> <laughs> No, um, I I had a different idea of what that could be, but I'm not so sure anymore. Well, what were you thinking? So I was thinking it looks quite Tau-like. I know that a lot of the Tau stuff is quite blocky, but this has, like, the drones and a lot of the defensive structures have that kind of circular, segmented mm-hmm. look. Um, the, yeah, like the, um, the fortification is in sort of circular discs and yes. some of the shields and things, yeah. Something I've... I have literally just noticed, having gone on um, G-Dub's website, mm-hmm. there are too many fingers for it to be Tau. Like on the oh. hat, Tau have three fingers and a thumb. That's got four fingers and a thumb. That's, uh, that probably shouldn't be news to me, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I know exactly what it was, but no, that's, I, I think you must be right then. That looks Eldar to me. Yeah, and, yeah, I think so. Um... Well, it wasn't too long ago that there were the fantastic new uh, Banshees. And oh, yes. I think that quite a few of the Eldar models do need replacing or updating. And um, <laughs> this yes. would be lovely if it is I know, mean, new Aspect Warriors or Fire Dragons or something. That would be beautiful. I'm planning on doing a uh, Eldar army at some point in the near future. And uh, I've got to say, the Aspect Warriors are looking a bit dated, <laughs> just mm. a bit. Um, yeah, like they're very charming and everything, but good lord, <laughs> they're ancient. A little bit, yeah. They could do. I think a lot of them are fine cast as well, which is oh, not no. ideal. Oh, oh. Uh, so we are moving on to your favourite topic, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go, boys. Go on, unload. Well, um, I'm super excited. This is going to be amazing. Um, all we've really been given is. A single picture of an orc boy. 
um, on foot. And there are a few things in the text that might, you know, give us ideas as well. So this, I've, <laughs> I've been chatting to some people, um, and as far as I'm concerned, this is basically going to be a new boys kit. It's got to be the Beast Snaggers from the Squig Riders, but on foot. And maybe they're like an elite trust or something, but I'd sort of expect them to probably be troops. They're just, at the end of the day, if you take the boys off the thing they're riding, they're just boys. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you know, they're, I reckon they're going to have a new War Scroll, uh, <laughs> not War Scroll, um, new... Um, new data sheet. Data sheet, yep. Yeah. Have a new you know, unit data sheet. They'll be new. They won't just be, like, replacement boys, I don't think. Um, uh, I don't know. But they, functionally, I, you could use them as replacement boys if you wanted to. You could do. I can't see how they're going to make these any different, though. Unless they're going to do them like... Well... You can have mobs of knobs anyway, can't you? You can. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you if you look into the, some of the text a little bit, it speaks of a few bits and pieces. Um, it says that they are not quite as durable as knobs. So mm. uh, I'm thinking still probably like one wound. Um, but uh, it says they're large and strong by comparison to regular boys. So oh, I think they'll probably... Toughness 5 or something like that. Well, not as durable as... As a knob, so probably still like toughness four, um, six up save, mm -hmm. one wound like boys. But you know, if they're hitting harder, maybe they are strength five, or maybe their weapons are plus strength, or like they could easily get some AP on their weapons because copper boys are not, you know, um, they sometimes lack a little bit. Once, once you start throwing the dice, um, even though they get loads of attacks, which is lovely, they don't end up doing a lot to units like Space Marines. No, they so don't. we could easily we could easily see a little bit of AP on these, which might be what they're referring to by uh, large and strong by comparison to boys. Um, it could be, but I don't know. I I think they're just going to have an extra pip of strength, to be honest. In strength five opinion. would surprise me a little. I mean, because knobs are strength five. But then again, actually, it does say, you know, it These does say the stronger, so maybe they're just... Hybrids between boys and knobs. Yeah, so maybe it's just strength five. Um, it's something I am very excited uh, to have just read. Um, <laughs> uh, is the It could be a, a good laugh seeing the beast snagger boys trying to harpoon a giant tank. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was about to bring that up. I love it. We're going to get How that. Is that? Uh, iOS spear thing. What's so it? we could, yeah, they could either like I've got sort of two two ideas in my mind. We could either have very similar to the spears carried by the, you know, like big spears with like rockets on the back to propel them. <laughs> so like just harp, like you know, like spear hunting harpoons, um, yeah. almost like whale hunting kind of thing. Um, or it could kind of be like harpoon launchers, <laughs> and there's this like kind of you know. Boy with a harpoon, like single shot mounted, like harpoon gun type thing. That would be some crazy old contraption. Either yeah. way, it would be pretty awesome, right? I really hope they bring uh, big stabbers into uh, 40k. <laughs> they are my favourite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. two, two boys running along with a great big harpoon. <laughs> That'd be wicked, wouldn't it? I'd love uh, it. Yeah. Um, and that's all we really hear about the beast snaggers on foot. They're basically just going to be boys, aren't they? It wouldn't surprise me if they were elites, maybe, but I'm hoping troops, because... Uh, I, I think they're just going to be more expensive orc boys, to be honest. Um, yeah, that would, that would kind of make sense. They're not that elite in my mind. They're just, like, boys, really. Yeah. Uh, there is one more thing uh, I'm going to point out um, that is almost definitely relevant. We have a paragraph here. The, the bottom paragraph just says, go and buy models, which is great. You know, <laughs> you kind of expect that, whatever. Um, 
but the paragraph above that, oh, it yeah. pretty much just for almost no reason just goes and starts talking about wounds and pain boys and mad docs and things. Um, I was going to say it starts talking about mad doc Grotsnake for some reason. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, you know, like there's not really any link here in terms of like this is a you know these guys have gotten off their mounts, they're running around boys on foot. They could have spoken about you know more boys, but they've chosen to start speaking about uh, pain boys and mad doc. You know, so this points to me that the next unit they're going to talk about or like reveal is going to be the pain boy or the pain mech <laughs> based on the images we saw before. The pain um, mech. <laughs> the pain mech. He had like a great big welding plate and a lot of his bionic. So oh, like, yeah, it kind of way. gave, to me at first, it kind of gave a little bit of a mech vibe as well. So I wasn't sure what it'd be back then. I mean, it um, especially, yeah, he absolutely could be a little bit. And looking at this though, it does make me think he's just going to be uh, like a special kind of mad doc, a special pain boy of some sort. Or even just a new Pain Boy model. Like, despite the fact the current one is beautiful. I mean, I, I do really like the um, current Pain Boy model, but uh... yeah, the way he's grinning at that giant, like, menacing hand, like oh, the, all crazy. the claws and saws and needles, like it does look fantastic. <laughs> he's um... more machine than man. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, he, I'd love him. Um, right, shall we move on to the last? Yeah, let's swing on. And... Mention it's not a not really worth talking it's, about. It's not really news, is it? But um, um, well, it's about Bellacor, um, basically. Yeah, so Bellacor is now available to pre-order. Um, he is, um, and he looks great. <laughs> he does. He looks massive. Uh, <laughs> I know we. Uh, yeah, he was previously announced, but we haven't spoken about him yet on the podcast. Um, and he is huge and terrifying, and the you know the, you've got the options for 40k and for AOS, and I just think he's fantastic. I was going to say one of my favourite things about this model is. Well, one of my many favourite things about this model is that the little corpse on his base, you can either have nothing there, a Chaos Warrior from um, AOS, or you can put a Primaris Marine, I think probably... A Lieutenant? Yeah, Primaris. Yeah, Yeah, so uh, you can really pimp this guy out depending on what army you're running. Um, I have a feeling that Mm -hmm. a lot of people are going to run this with a bare base so that you can run it in either for that little extra bit of versatility. At the same time, I think it definitely adds to his vibe with him stepping over a slain, like, lieutenant. That's a great, like, it certainly adds to it, if you ask me. It does does add to it, but it does take away from the uh, immersion when you're playing AOS and there's a random primary lieutenant on someone's base. I guess you could always magnetize it. Yeah, that's another option. That wouldn't bother me too much. No. Uh, and I, I guess slightly relevant now, we have found out, I guess this sort of news, that uh, he is £89. Uh, I don't know what you were thinking about that, maybe more or less than you expected. I didn't even know that we'd found out how expensive he was. Um, that is Wait, yeah, he's available for pre-order, so oh, kind well, of the price at that point. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, that is a lot of money. That is a huge amount of money. It uh, is particularly a lot. non-Forge World model. Well, I mean, yeah, like... GW model, I think the most expensive single GW model I've seen at all is Archon, who was £100. Um, uh, yes, Archon was... Uh... It's a whole lot to ask, especially I mean, especially for like one model, really. Um, but at the same time, he is huge. He's absolutely huge. Oh, yeah, he is a tanky mother. He's huge. Also, but He's going to have such table presence. I just found Archon. Uh, he is seventeen fifty. You are definitely looking at the wrong Arco. <laughs> the 
<laughs> We're talking about the AOS one with the big oh. mouth with three heads. Not the uh, 40k one, okay. <laughs> uh, no, sorry, yeah, not the Dark Eldar outcome. <laughs> sorry, that's really um, Yeah, uh, I meant the, you know, the Lord of the End Times or whatever. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Hang on, just what? <laughs> well, let us let us know what you think of these. Uh, let, let us know what you think of Bellacor and maybe the new um, Orcs. And maybe if you think we're wrong about the rumor engine, let us know what you think on our social media or wherever else. Yes, we could very well be wrong about that. Um, I don't think we are, but we could be. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll find out, eh? <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Fantastic. And now the moment you've possibly all been waiting for, or maybe not, it's the hobby section of our podcast. Today, we are going to be looking at brushes. <laughs> <laughs> Might not be the most fantastically interesting part of the podcast but it's an important one um and i think it's something that people can easily in the hobby go for a long period of time without actually considering yes in a hobby where a good portion of it is going to be spent or should be spent painting minis and getting them looking nice from the tabletop having the right equipment to do it in is very important mm-hmm. yeah absolutely so shall we just sort of start with what brushes we use in the first place yeah seems a good place to kick off with so what do you what do you go for then uh, generally, I go for Citadel. I have doubled in army painter brushes as well, but uh, as I say, the main ones I've used have been Citadel. Usually, I've just kind of been in Games Workshop picking up a couple of pieces, bits and pieces, and thought, oh, I could really do with a new layer brush, for example, and just gone, mm-hmm. well, I'll just get one from behind the counter then and be done with it. Yeah, GW uh, brushes are good. I think that's a standard most people use. They are a very good standard, particularly weirdly enough for gw models they do uh <laughs> you know they're very very good um yeah. miniature brushes uh how about you what do you go for usually well in brand most of my brushes are citadel and i've tried a lot of others i mean i'd say so to start with i would go for like a small or medium layer brush i think with either of those you can actually paint any standard like infantry model, even like characters or whatever, with just that brush, and you won't need anything else. Generally yeah, speaking, I mean, my um, most used brush in my admittedly fairly limited brush collection has got to be my standard GW brush. Mm-hmm. You can do you, virtually anything you put your mind to with it. Yeah, like a, a, a sort of medium layer brush or a, or a small, maybe um, either of them. You can just yeah, you could just get through a whole model with it. Detailing, like washes, whatever you need. They'll basically do for small things. So if people get into the hobby, you don't really need to worry about it. Just get a brush. <laughs> as you say, a medium or small layer brush, and you're good for, well, as long as you want, really. And if you want to upgrade it, then you can. But to be honest, I don't see anything wrong with just sticking with that brush. Yeah. Unless <laughs> there are two, two caveats. So if you want a dry brush, for heaven's sake, get a dry brush. Do not use your normal painting brush to dry brush with. Yeah, I was about to say that one of the first techniques you're going to learn is dry brushing because it's so simple and obviously that destroys brushes really quick. Say, your standard brush will die a painful death if you try and do it with uh, do that. And the other thing mm-hmm. um, for things like uh, basing, do not use a brush for that. You GW and I suspect other places sell little spatulas that you can kind of scoop base. Uh, base paints. What are they actually called? That's the wrong one. What, like uh, PVA? Or... Oh, you uh, mean the uh, um, texture paints? Like the... Yeah, 
texture paints. Um, yeah, like the effect paints, like Astrogranite, yeah, like uh, Armageddon Dunes, and mm -hmm. whatever the other ones called Astrogranite. You just said Stunned, mud and all the rest of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you get little spatulas that you use specifically for this. So get one of those if you're going to use these paints because they they will ruin your brushes almost as much as no, no, they won't ruin it almost as much as dry brushing. They'll ruin it even more than dry brushing. Well, Don't... bits of sand in the paint might. Uh... <laughs> I think it's sand on there, but yeah, that, that tends to damage brushes. With that? Yeah, so basically, for like what we're talking about a dry brush here, I think you can get a specific dry brush, but I often just use an old brush or a low-quality non-GW brush from any old hobby store or place I can get them. That works. Um, and they often tend to be a bit larger, because if they're going to wear out, you know, I'll use any old piece of rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I entirely agree with that. I've got a specific GW dry brush. They are pretty good. I won't argue with it. They are, it's nice. It's stiffer. It's got stiffer bristles than a normal. Yeah, thing. yeah. The, the reason yeah. you want to get a dry brush is because they won't be immediately destroyed. Yeah. One <laughs> um, thing I will say is, to, to go back on the point I just made, I have got a little um, kind of crappy brush that uh, I ruined a while ago, and I've started using it as kind of like a weird detail dry brush, if that makes sense. So, like, if you've got to dry brush... Smaller areas, but still dry brushing, yeah. yeah. If you're to do a smaller area or something like that, you just whip this thing out and it'll do it. Yeah, so, like, my summary is kind of, there's going to be things that you want a mangled brush for, dry brushing or, like, you know, like, putting putting stuff on bases. So maybe that's that's something worth considering. Yes. It also is on a very other end. recycling any, um, any brushes that you think you've ruined. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just move them to your ruined brush pile. <laughs> yeah. yeah. On the other end, um, some people like to get a sort of... I, I'm not a fan of the GW Artificer brushes. I've never used them. I think they're okay, but at the end of the day, when you're paying that much for a brush, just go to a, another high-quality brush company and get a Kalinsky Cable brush at that point. I was going to say, they are very expensive for what they are. Uh, how much are Artificer brushes? Like 20 quid from, G from uh, Citadel? Hold that thought, I'll have a look. Yeah, it's, it's worth giving a decent answer, a correct answer. So yeah, they're they're fairly expensive from what I remember. Even if they're significantly less than that, they're quite they're still a lot more than a standard brush. So yeah, I I think the company I used was Rosemary and Co. They do wonderful brushes, but there's a lot of a lot of companies now online that do Klinsky Sable brushes. And they are a fantastic they're a fantastic option if you really do want to get into better quality painting, higher quality painting, because they're nicer to handle. But obviously, they get expensive at this point. So yeah. you want to look after them. <laughs> Just coming on the expense point, the artists of brushes. So if you want all three of them, uh, it's forty-four ninety. Uh, the medium artificer layer is seventeen. The small artificer layer is fourteen ninety-five. The extra small artificer layer is twelve ninety-five. Uh, I don't yeah. know why they're all called layer brushes, but whatever, I guess. It's, well, uh, they're only for like final free hands and stuff, really. Um, yeah, it's got super nice detailing. I was gonna say, I expect they are quite nice brushes, but you can get better brushes for the same money. Yeah, so at that point, I'd, um, yeah, like I say, find something Kalinsky Sable. I think they don't use the small, medium, nice sort of options that GW have, and you'll be looking at numbers. Yeah. <laughs> so to give you a guide on those, uh, I have a one and a two, which are basically just a, what, well, like a fine detail and a small detail. So size minuscule um, and kind of slightly bigger basically or no i think like one up from that if you start to go minuscule i don't think you almost need that that small because like i said we even with the standard like small brush you can get through whole models easily well, um true. 
Some people will, will swear by teeny tiny little brushes, but I don't really think they're needed, even for my freehand. Yeah, so those, those are the brushes we're using, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> we're good. Yes. Um, I want to talk about how you look after your brushes, especially if you're spending, like we're talking about, like 50 quid on a brush or something. Yeah, this is going to be very useful for me as well, actually, because I am really bad at looking after my brushes. <laughs> so uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, I used to be. And it get to a point, got to a point where I was getting through like several brushes a month, and I was like, "This is ridiculous. Um, this is absolutely not ridiculous. That not that bad." Not, and I wasn't even using it for dry brushing things. But so, oh, yeah, I'll give a few tips when you're painting. I mean, firstly, there is the metal bit on your brush below the bristles called the ferrule. For those of people that didn't know the terminology for that, what sorry, the ferrule, the ferrule, the ferrule. Hmm. Can I correct my pronunciation if I'm wrong on that, listeners? You know, but that's called the ferrule. And you, at the end of the day, the, the biggest tip possible is don't get anything in it. Oh, which... yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> so no, it's, no. It's, it's at the base of your bristles, right? So that's, that's where the base of the bristles of the brush go into. And uh, most brushes don't sort of fray away. They end up splitting, in my experience, when I, when I was losing brushes really quick. So every time you go to paint, you've got like three teeny brushes and it's, you can't use all of them once. <laughs> like on the end of your brush almost. Um, and that's because there's there's paint or sand or glue or something in the the base bit around the, the bottom of the bristles where they go into the ferrule. So a few tips to on how you avoid doing that. First of all, don't leave it tipped down in in water even for a second. Just you uh, know, okay, yeah. Because you know, just a bit of pressure on there sometimes on the bottom, and it, it doesn't help. It's not a great idea. And when you're storing your brushes, don't store them like i know some like paint stations have holes in to put brushes in don't store them like tip up because then any remaining moisture will sink down into the furrow yes. so i know like some places will say oh get like this holder for your brushes where they're tipped down but that's not really necessary like if they're sideways i've found it's fine just don't have them tip up because then it will all sink downwards and obviously like when you're loading paint onto your brush some people will say actually use a separate bigger brush to load the paint if it's like a super nice one that you're using onto a palette and then from the palette use your one i think if you're careful you can get away with it but don't get it on the base of the brush you should only ever especially with a nice brush when you're doing like detailing things you should only ever use like the front third really if you're doing like details and then like two thirds of the yeah. brush to yeah. like to highlight and things um you don't want to be using the back of the brush where the ferrule is to no. actually be painting um if you can't see any of your bristle um for the paint you might have messed up yeah, when you when you go to do it, you should still see a back chunk, which is just like brush coloured, <laughs> like brown. Um, yeah. yeah, because you you don't want any paint getting in the bottom. That's the reason your brushes are splitting and being ruined. Also, obviously, no dry brushing. Save that for your bad brushes. Yeah. Um, if you've got a super nice one, a Kalinsky Sable or something, then no specialist like crazy paints, like no metallics at all. Not even like your standard low brushes and things. Just use a different brush for it. Um, no washes because the washes are kind of like water that'll sink straight into the furrow and there's bits of paint in it so immediately it brings the paint in there and uh, just just use standard layer paints like no contrast because same sort of thing is kind of like a wash yeah. but in the day yeah you just want to use standard acrylic paints basically if it's a really nice brush okay i didn't even think about any of that to be honest not mm -hmm. that i've got any really nice brushes but um yeah whenever i've done it i've just kind of cracked on with whatever i'm doing <laughs> Yeah, I think if it's like a standard Citadel like medium brush, obviously you've got to paint metals. Half of your thing is going to be metal. You've got to use your iron breaker or whatever it is. So like my normal brushes, I'll just use them. But if it's like my expensive brush, 
that I use for my like freehanding and things, then I, you know, I won't do metal with it. I won't do washes with it. Um, yeah, that's absolutely fair enough. So yeah, you've you've got to be you've got to think about these things a little bit. And one last thing in terms of like brush maintenance, while I'm thinking of it. Oh, actually, also, <laughs> so two things, two last things. One, um, thin your paints like regularly. Yeah. Um, because if you're, especially if like if you're using a, a base coat brush and you're actually painting the same paint for like 30 minutes as you go over the base coat of a big tank or something like or even a troop (laughs) if you're like me and take forever to base coat things take the time to rinse and clean your brush off even though you're not changing paint that paint's gonna dry up on your brush and oh yeah this absolutely something you should be doing is every Mm. kind of minute or two that you're probably even more frequently than that but every you know few well as soon as you notice it's dry there should be no dry paint because once it dries it gets hard to get out and off your brush yes while it's wet it's super easy so to start off use nicely thinned paints preferably mm-hmm. on a wet palette but we'll talk about that sometime <laughs> um and yeah and just make sure you're cleaning your brush between you know like each section of your model or whatever and if it ever gets to the point where you like you 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 know your brush touches the model and no paint comes off of it it's obviously dry paint so just immediately put it in some water and try and get that paint off well it's it's i mean to first off it like it's not working you're touching like you're painting and it's not painting so to, as, as a basic like theory you have to do something because your paint is not working but also yeah it's a good idea just for the brush's sake yeah and my absolute final point is i had never even considered this before i started doing it but i swear by it now get a brush cleaner like a brush soap a brush cleaner mm, a brush soap it's so there's um, there are two I use, um, and one of them is literally like a small pot of soap. <laughs> um, it's kind of like, uh, uh, it's called the Master's Brush Cleaner and Preserver. And I'll put a photo on Instagram or something um, so people can see what it looks like. And I think there are similar ones. It's kind of like a shoe polish or like a hair gel in terms of how it looks. It's like a gloop in a pot. And you just put a water in, on it and then rub your brush on it. Uh, you know, kind of go in circles or things and twist, like, twist the brush against it. Um, and just to sort of get the soap into it. And it really does work wonders. At the end of each painting session, don't do it constantly, not after like each coat or whatever, but after each painting session or each other painting session, whatever, depending how long you paint for, you know, definitely if I've spent an evening, like five, six hours painting a model, my brush will, will benefit from this. And you literally see, you, oh, this is clean. Then you do it. And then there's all this gunk that's come out of your brush and you're looking at it and it's like, <laughs> oh, there's so much color. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's like wow. My brush, my brush. I thought was already clean, but now it's literally changed color because I removed all this gunk from it. No. So how much is that? Uh, so that one, um, I went for a specific on-brand one, which was a bit more expensive, and I think it was about twelve, thirteen pound. Um, okay. So that's that's a more expensive one. There are more cheap ones, and there's also I also have a uh, I also have a bottle of Zest It, <laughs> which is called that because it smells of lemon, but it is a. It's a brush reviver and cleaner. So it's actually designed for like when your brush is properly ruined, like a really old one that you didn't wash at all after brushing or something. Like there's actually, you can, there's no saving a brush like that, but this essentially does the same thing. It's just a bit more extreme. Um, and it's a bottle of a solvent, I guess, basically. Oh, uh, yeah. And sometimes I'll even just dip it in that solvent and then put it on the brush soap. <laughs> um, then they, it, it really does the job. So they're basically the same thing. And one's a bit more extreme. And I use both conjunction. And they're they're really good. They really do help to make your brushes last longer and better. And if your you know if your brush does start splitting, this zested stuff can start to revive it. it. Can it can make your brush last longer and better? Um, 
which to start off with is still a reasonable deal. You know, like the Zestic was about eight pound. I think that was a bit cheaper. So, you know, if that saves like two brushes, you've already got your money back. <laughs> Over time, that's actually you barely use any of it. This is going to last me years. So it's actually going to save me a lot of brushes. And if it was an expensive brush, then that could be tons of money that I end up saving in brushes. Well, I'm going to have to keep some of these in mind. I've got a few brushes that are. Uh... Starting to die of death. So, uh, yeah, it's not a miracle. It won't save, you know, like an absolutely dead and gone brush, but it is pretty good. I really will swear by it. Awesome. Yeah. So, any, any final thoughts before we move on? Um, not that I can think of, really. Yeah. I know um, I've just had a bit of a <laughs> monologue there, but that's right. You know much more about the subject than I do. That's absolutely fine. But I think it's uh, something yeah. that's worth talking about because a lot of people I feel could benefit from this with their painting. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, do you have anything else to add to it? No, I think we're good. Let's, uh, let's move on to the next segment of the podcast. Indeed. So, this week's Chug segment is all about our favourite 40k video games. Indeed. These are some of my favourite video games, obviously based on 40k, but uh, when you live and breathe 40k as we do, uh, it's natural that the top five 40k video games are probably going to be our top five video games full stop. <laughs> I don't know, to be honest, but definitely uh, my number one is is certainly up there. Yeah, um, they're definitely up there. I, Having just said that, I am looking at them and thinking, mm, <laughs> not, <laughs> not all of them. Yeah, maybe uh, not our all-time favorite video games, but I mean, but, I think something something that's worth considering maybe is that, like, even though that there's been a lot of sort of 40k apps and mobile games and all the rest of it that aren't necessarily great, there have still been some absolute bangers of games, absolute classics, fantastic yeah. games. Yeah, Games um, Workshop did the very, very sensible um, thing of basically giving their license away to anybody that asked for it. So we have a real slew of utter shite. Uh, I like some of the shite. Some of, it, some of it's quite endearing. Like, um, um, <laughs> I can't think of any examples, but if you sort through a lot of the chat, you do get some real gems. Particularly, I find by Relic, they do a lot of, or did a lot of. Real well, we'll get onto that, right? <laughs> I, I don't think they. Does Relic even exist anymore? I thought they. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Anyway, we're going um, off topic. Uh, would you like to start with, uh, we'll compare our top video game. To clarify, we've both made our lists entirely separately, and we don't know what each other's lists are. So we're going to just start through, go through our number. Do you want to do it in reverse order? or? Uh, yeah, go on then. Just so we'll go through our number five, up. and we'll work our way down. Okay, yeah. So then we'll get to the number ones. And um, we'll talk about the games when they first come up. So if, if something's lower down someone's list, we'll talk about it then, and we obviously won't go on about it tons again the second time. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, we'll just give it a brief mention. Uh, right, would you like to crack on with your number five? Yeah, so my number five is Gladius. Ha! Yeah. Um... <laughs> is that a hat of agreement, or a, uh, ha, you're mad? <laughs> no, 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 no. That is a hat, total hat of agreement. I wasn't really expecting you to put it as low as five, to be honest. I thought you quite enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean... It is a good game. It's, you know, like I think to get on this list, you have to have made a, a good game because some of these games are phenomenal. So even to get on this list is is really quite uh, an achievement. Um, so Gladius is is quite fun. It works really well, I'd say. But the reason it's only five is because there are some significant problems with it. Yes, um, I think. I, I, I sense this is higher on your list. No, no, this is uh, this is number five on my list. Oh, so we're in the same spot. Okay, yeah, we're in exactly the same um, spot. I think my issue with it, I don't think the pacing is very good in it, if that makes sense. I feel like things either happen too quickly or not quickly enough. And no, I cracking. 
you got it spot on. Yeah. Uh, I think that it's. I always crank this game up to like super high speed because I get bored waiting like eight turns for one squad of space yeah. marines. Just to clarify, um, um, Gladius is like 40k civilization. I think is the best way I can describe it. That's true. Um, five faction, four factions. You've got. Or is it five? You've I think there's a three. few more now. I think they've added how they've added chaos. They've added Eldar maybe now. Um, oh, I haven't played it for a little while. There now. Uh, I haven't played it for ages either, but you've got... There's a few extras. Guard, yeah, Marines, Chaos, Nids, um, Orcs. Orcs. I think those were the first five you had. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you've now got Tau, Eldar, probably Dark Eldar. Um, you know, that Necrons... I think Nids was the first DLC. It was oh, originally... Oh, Necrons were the first ones in there, weren't they? Yeah, it was originally Necron, Space Marines, Guard, and Orcs. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's civilization. Um, but here's here's the reason there's only number five on my list. It's kind of just reskin civilization, but without any diplomacy and all that. So it's just yeah. kind of let's play Civ, but we can only throw troops at each other. Yeah, the only two factions that it really makes sense to uh, well, maybe three if you stretch it, or four maybe are <laughs> Marines and Guard are obvious um, companions, and then maybe Eldar and maybe Tau. Those are the only four. But the, the trouble is, it depends who on. with. Like, there's, there's yeah. 40k diplomacy just doesn't really work, and obviously it's a big deal in Civ. So at the end of the day, I think I'd rather just play Civ if that makes sense. Yeah, and there is a <laughs> sci-fi version of Civ. I can't actually remember what it's called now. Just give me a sec. Um, I'll admit I haven't actually played a lot of Civilization, but Civilization it's a game. Beyond Earth uh, is the sci-fi version, and it's half decent. So I'd much rather play that than Gladius, to be honest. It's well, also on Gladius, there's no campaign or anything. There's just like these really unbalanced story quests, like, like kind of put themselves into every game you play. So they'll just basically come in, spawn a random guard army in the middle of your online game, and ruin everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's their idea of a campaign. I'm like, well, this is this is bad. There's no like, oh, like there's no anything apart from just like online games or like put your friends against like AI players and things. So. Yeah, but it's fantastic because it's still a 4 k skin of a great game. So it's still a very good game. It's just a... It's just not really. as good as the original game is the, yeah. the my um, main issue with it. Or right. should we move on? You can go this time for the four. All right. So number four, I have put Battlefleet Gothic 2. Oh. Oh. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, yeah, I really like this game. Um, I'm assuming this isn't your number four. I've never played it. Uh, probably not then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll admit I've not played this one. Uh, yes, yeah, so a really good game, really nice mechanics to it. I just found it didn't hold me very well, and I can't really explain why. As you can probably tell, it is based in the void combat of 40k, so you get factions. I think pretty much all of the factions. How does it work? Uh, What's the gameplay like? Oh, Christ. Um, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, so basically, you'll design a fleet based off in-universe ships, so you'll have your mm-hmm. safer... Uh, Marines, you'll have your battle barges, your strike cruisers, your auxiliary craft, carriers, all that, all the different kinds of things. Yep. And it mainly works based off broadsides. So you're trying to get up next to your enemies. Um, and so do you control one ship or like all of them at once? Entire, entire is it turn-based or is it? No, very much uh, real time. Um, in fact, um, I think the best. Yeah, I think the best comparison I can come up with is if you've ever played any of the Total War games with um, naval combat in them. It's a lot mm-hmm. like that. So you get your entire fleet. You can control all your different ships to do different things. Each different ship in your fleet has different roles. Like you can get scouts, you get battleships, you get torpedo ships. They all have different abilities that you can kick off. Like I think one of the Mechanicus ones is you get a Nova cannon, which is awesome. It seems good. 
yeah, you basically just point it at an enemy ship and delete it. It's fantastic. So I, I haven't really played much of Battlefleet Gothic on the table either, so I didn't know if they'd just have like moved the game to PC. Um, all accounts, or... I don't think that would have been a bad move, to be honest. I think it's quite a solid game. I've never played it. but Yeah, yeah um, I mean... Battlefleet Gothic, if you want... Um, well, wicked, fantastic, a, good game. A void nice. comp. Yeah, go for that. I like, I like, I'll have to try it out. That seems good. Yeah. Um, uh, so awesome. my number four pick is Mechanicus, which is a new one. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know where you're laughing. Yeah, because we've just been chatting about this, and I, I only downloaded it recently. I was trying to work um, out where that would be. Arguably, this should be higher up because it is a fantastic game from what I've experienced of it. But I only started playing this very recently. It's really good. It's quite well made. Um, and something that I think is a really good idea with Warhammer is you either do everything or if you don't want to risk making an awful game, you pick as like a specific faction and you do it really well and make your game about it. And that's something they've done quite well here with Mechanicus because all the sort of Mechanicus machine cult stuff in lore is really good. It works. I feel like I'm a tech priest and that's what I want here. Um, you want in a, it's uh, really quite nice. There's you get a great idea of Necron law from it and all this stuff, like the, the opponents you're fighting, and then also like it feels like I'm properly commanding Admech. It's not just like a game of here's some soldiers, go. Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> um so and the the mechanics work acceptably well, they're good, it's challenging. Um yeah, so just a solid game. Arguably this should be higher up, but uh I'm, I'm assuming it's only this far down because you've uh, only played like I've only played it a little bit. <laughs> No, I've played like eight hours or whatever. Um, but like I say, it's, it's been Did that in one day. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I literally downloaded this yesterday. Played it for eight hours straight, and I was like, "Damn, this is uh, this is fun." But now All it's right, late. Well, that's so, a, it's a good sign, um, I suppose. Yeah, so I'll, I'll admit I can't really say that I'm an expert on this game, but you know, like it is, it's well made. I guess the only downside is that it's quite narrow. It's just Mechanicus. Like you don't have like all your 40k goodness from all the other factions. Like if you're a turned player or whatever, then this game, you know. Well, I suppose it would be a little bit if you're playing Mechanicus and you got to play as the Tau, that'd be a bit... It, yes, strange. exactly. It is weird, but like, you know, like some, you know, if you're a 40k fan because you like a certain faction and that faction is not in a game, I guess it's not for you. Uh, so, yeah. right, on to our choice number three. All right. Uh, do you want to you go first? With our no, no, I went first last time. That's true. I'll go first this time. So uh -huh. my number three choice is Death Watch. Okay. So this was launched on both Steam and mobile. I don't know which one was first, <laughs> um, but I've, I own it on both. And this is the game. I think it's the only mobile game on my list for definite. Oh, that filth isn't on, on my list at all. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I really, really like it. It's the game, to clarify, if anyone hasn't played it, it's made by, I think they're called Rodeo. They did the Warhammer Quest games. Uh, or the first one. It was also really, really good. And you basically command Space Marines you take five space marines into a mission, and then it's a tile-based sort of dungeon crawler. You move through kill tyranids, and that's a summary of the game. And what I like about it is you can sort of the way you level up your space marines and get experience and stuff is really good. You you sort of it's a good sort of narrative system almost. Like you can rename your battle brothers and unlock more powerful guys and things. And it's challenging but really good and doable at the same time. Like it's a really nice feel of sort of campaign progression over time. There's a lot of elements I really like about it as a game. Yeah. And it doesn't suffer from any of the mobile game problems. Nothing's like wait six hours. Nothing's like pay more money. Like it doesn't have DLC problems. Oh my it's, me. it's just it's just a good solid game. And honestly, just play it on PC anyway, because I think there's a few extra chapters and stuff. You can get like Imperial Fists and Dark Angels or something else. 
oh, if you yeah. play on PC that aren't available on mobile. So just play it on PC, and it's it's actually a solid game. It doesn't suffer from any of this loot box crap. Um, that is really good to hear. Actually, I think you do get like loot boxes, but you just get them within game currency. It's not pay to win. Um, it's not pay. Th- yeah, it's not pay to win. It's all like it's it's not online. It's it's sort of single player campaign, and you yeah like so it doesn't suffer from the problems that make Mario Games bad. It's just, it's just a solid game at the end of the day. That's quite a good dungeon crawler, which is why I really like it, and I've plowed a lot of hours into that game. Yeah, cool. So that's my choice number three. All right, my my number three. Um, I have gone with um, Warhammer 40k Armageddon. Absolutely, one of the Pow. best. One of the, if not the best, turn-based strategy um, based in the 40k universe I have ever played. Um, yeah, it's uh, all based around the second, yeah, second war for Armageddon because the first one was mm-hmm. Angron being an angry. Well, oh, yeah, <laughs> angry. Angron um, being Angron. Yeah, yeah, weird that. Um, no, this one's based off the second war for Armageddon. So, so Gazgul's first invasion. Gazgul's yeah. first invasion, indeed. Or is it the third one? How many invasions of Armageddon were there? There were at least three, weren't there? there yeah, there are, there are three big wars for Armageddon. The third's somewhat still in progress, I guess. Either the... Oh, <laughs> uh, probably the second then. Uh, it's based off one of the orc invasions of Armageddon. I, I'm really... Yeah, the, the second is the big one. It it's probably, yeah. probably the second one. Um, the second one is the one with... What's his face? Yarrick in it, isn't it? I mean, Yarrick's in both, man. Oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> Yarrick and Gazgill are just like at each but other's throats. Basically, the premise is orcs are invading a hive world called Armageddon, all right? We'll, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, the campaign, which is the real gem, um, it takes you through a um, kind of basic, but really not basic um, campaign system where you get to choose what you're. So, you start off and you build up a bit of a force. So, you start off as like a force commander and you get assigned some units, and then you get to pick other units. You get loads of different vehicles, loads of different units you can use, all based off the Armageddon Steel Legion. And you can build up your force and level it up over time, and you have to pick kind of a path through the story to go to different battles and um, different story elements and play through different parts of the Armageddon uh, campaign. Mm -hmm. So you can almost follow... I think there's a pretty comprehensive book series on it, there are some great, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, yeah, there's, there's, there's books. books, and a lot of those are referenced in the game. And yeah, it's just fantastic turn-based strategy. I, I really can't. I know I'm not selling it very well, but I really cannot sing its praises enough. If you turn-based strategy is your thing, and you like 40k, and you like the guard Armageddon, it's fantastic, excellent game. I guess arguably you could say it's kind of like better Gladius, but not multiplayer and orcs no, and marines. Really, or- there are no, no, I wouldn't say that at all. Uh, okay, sorry. I mean, I, I I'll, yeah, I'll say, um, this is one that I've wanted to play for ages actually, and I only very recently got it with the white dwarf and I haven't played it yet. Um, uh, yeah, it's uh, what's a good comparison for it? I can't really think of any good comparisons for it. It's a hex based, large scale, turn based, oh, uh, yeah, sweet. That's 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 great. Um, yeah, I'm, I, yeah, I'm just gonna stop now because I'm really badly selling it. Uh, right, we'll move on to number two. Yeah, you go first. Oh, okay. Uh, right, so I've put... I've kind of cheated and gone with two here. So... Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> but there is a very good explanation for this. So either Dawn of War Dark Crusade or Dawn of War Stol- Soulstorm with the Ultimate Apocalypse mod. So okay, fair. the reason I've made that distinction, Soulstorm with the UA mod is excellent for multiplayer. Adds huge numbers of units to the game. It adds... I think it even adds, like, New factions like the Tyranids, I think, are in there somewhere. Nope, um, they're uh, they're a mod. <laughs> goodness sake, I've really not done my research with this. 
but yeah, basically. Well, admittedly, know. I think a lot of people once they move on to like the old Puppets mod, like why would you go back? Why would you go back to not having like Tyranids and stuff? So that's fair enough. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I saw what this mod does. As I say, it adds uh, more units. It means it allows you to get bigger units, bigger build caps. Uh, I think is the right. I think maybe we should. Range. Maybe we should sort of round it into Dawn of War One as a game, as opposed to like a specific expansion for it. Well, there's a very good reason for me doing a specific expansion on it. The campaign, I guess. Yeah, the campaign. Yeah, yeah. I'll just move Dark, on. Dark Crusade campaign was amazing. That is by far the best campaign. Enough said. It's uh, based across a world. I can't remember which world it is, but it's based across large worlds. Um, you've got all of the factions fighting over territory. Power um, of her was Soulstorm, wasn't it? Uh, I can't yeah, remember now. Power of a system. Um, yeah, the Soulstorm. So, yeah, sorry, carry on. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you get your factions, and there's like a campaign map, and you move your army about conquering different areas of the factions, uh, of the map even, and each territory gives you a different bonus, like it could be an extra unit that you start with, or it could be some kind of resource bonus, or it could be an in-game bonus, like allowing you to deep strike units or something like that. Um, and you basically just go along, and every time you come across a faction's base, you get almost like a scripted story event that you have to mm-hmm. fight through. Yeah, it's really good game, really solid. Yeah, just really solid RTS. I mean, I'm going to talk about Dawn of War 1, because it's, uh, it's also on my list. It's not number two, though. I <laughs> yeah, I wonder where this goes if it's not number two. Yeah, Dawn of War is absolutely phenomenal. Especially with Ultimate Apocalypse, because you've got pretty much all the factions. Admittedly, like it's it was what two thousand and four or whatever. So there's not all of them, not all of the more recent stuff. But it smashes all the other games out of the water, in my opinion. Mm. the The size of the battles is pretty decent, especially with UA. You can just get a ridiculous amount going. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> and the feel that you get, like, is is like I have a proper war of orcs. Like not other, not many other games, especially like turn based things. Yeah, I feel like I have a lot of orcs, but if in say you've got Gladys, you've got like fifty squads of orcs or whatever, it's like yeah, they're sort of slowly moving around turn by turn. When I'm like running a bunch of orcs around in Dawn of War, like sure it could be improved, obviously, like it's from two thousand and four or whatever, but like it really does feel like I've got loads of orcs screaming, run everywhere, murdering things, and the big tide of green rushing across the stream. Like yeah, real time is a lot better. That is the thing of it with the. The original Dawn of War, it really captures the feeling of the 40k setting, like the battles mm-hmm. are huge. Uh, absolutely. It is phenomenally good. That's, that's why it took my number one spot. It's, it's absolutely, in my opinion, the best game to, or to be touched by 40k. Um, is it maybe we, maybe we mentioned the later ones? They were let down, so I guess. Dawn of War 2 was different. Uh, it wasn't, it's not as good as Dawn of War, just because not much is better than Dawn of War. Um, I didn't mm. dislike it, though. It had a different it had a more um, so, feel. Yeah, so Dawn of War 2, you essentially, you commanded like five units and then you walked around the map with your five units and killed everything on the map, which yeah. was good. And it was really well done. Like the, it had everything you'd want from it. But at the end of the day, I didn't want to have sort of five, have five units in an RTS and then upgrade and change them. I wanted to have a full army. That I build and customize each game. Yeah, I and like I wanted. Yeah, I wanted like an updated, better Dawn of War one rather than, you know, like this kind of squad commander. I don't know. <laughs> there were two things the um, Dawn of War two did very well. Well, three things really. 
The campaign itself was good. Even if the gameplay wasn't what we wanted, the campaign was very good. Multiplayer was good. That had... It was more tactical than the original Dawn of War, I think is the thing of it. So like you um, controlling yeah. fire, you'd set up heavy bolters and whatnot to cover certain angles. There is a lot of strategy in Dawn of War 1. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of things to focus strategy. on. There's less tactics. So like, I guess, I guess. What, what I mean by that is uh, your strategy might be to, I don't know, build shitloads of storm boys and then just drop them on the enemy base and let them go to work and it would feel cool. Whereas with Dawn of War 2, you had to think much more about how you were going to get your units to where they needed to go, what they were going to do when they were there, what the units were there to do, um, what special abilities they had, things like that. I think because in Dawn of War 1, you were focusing on like building your base and stuff, that you end up often using units and strategies that don't require your attention to fight. However, there are a lot of units and stuff that, that kind of do. It's like when I'm using different orc units, if I actually want to like win, I should be watching the fight and, you know, like making, using a lot of the tactics you're talking about, sort of using cover, using various things, attacking targets so efficiently. How am I moving? Where am I going? Using abilities. But I can't necessarily do that if I also have to be thinking about all my buildings and my base and producing new units and things. I think that, yeah, you suffer from it a little bit because you can't maybe focus on like tactics as much. Yeah, arguably. I, but I still I think, think it had a larger element of tactics. Than... Probably, it probably is a little bit larger, but I didn't think Dawn of War 1 was lacking. Uh, which oh, is, no, no. I no, guess why, like, we, why it's a better game. I think, but... I think they're just different, to be honest. Mm. Um, um, and Dawn of War 3 was crap. Yeah, hang on. One more thing on Dawn of War 2. They had the... Sorry, go on. So like, you'd get your champion or hero from whatever, whatever faction mm. you had, and you'd play with about four other or three other people. And you just have your hero on all their special abilities, and they just keep. Was this the fight. survival mode? Yes, it was. Yes, yeah, I, I, I did like this actually. That this was, was good. Excellent. That was a cracking element to come out of Dawn of War Actually, that was fun. Uh, you just had your commander dropping in more guardsmen. That was awesome. Yeah, I mean, I love my uh, my orc. You know? uh, of course, he did. Uh, of course, yeah, it's me. You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but that yeah. was that was good. That arena, and, I can't remember what it's called now, but that was great. Uh, and then they moved on to Dawn of World Three, which. Uh, I yeah. think it simply failed because they all the games on this list basically. I'm gonna say each time this is really immer like immersive. This is really good because the law's really strong, and I can feel my like characters and the story elements. And Dawn of War Three basically said, "Oh, we're gonna make this for every single scrub who owns a computer. We're gonna make it like the biggest new game that's gonna like be bigger than Dota and that sort of thing." And they just it no longer was really about Warhammer. Well, I think the problem with Warhammer. Dawn of War 3 was that it was neither Warhammery enough or Dawn of War enough. So <laughs> that's also another point, yeah. They they basically just like put lanes in it like like, you know, it like Dota like or League a, or whatever and it felt like a weird hybrid between StarCraft and Dota. Yeah, it was they they basically didn't make Dawn of War, did they? They made like <laughs> weird Warhammer skinned crap Dota. Yeah, they um, tried I think that what they tried to do was make it really good for e-sports and it didn't really work. Yeah, like Warhammer's like the reason we love Warhammer is for all the lore and the fluff and stuff. You know, yeah. it's it's going to take an immense amount of work and time and everything to kind of keep a game with that much stuff in it up to the esports level and all the rest of it. And yeah. It's just not going to work, is it? So people should focus on making games really immersive and lore friendly so that people love them rather than just making it like esporty. Definitely. I think the best thing to come out of Dawn of War 3 was the Forge World Gabriel Angelos model, which is actually quite nice. It is <laughs> yeah, I can't actually argue with that. It's essentially a wicked so, model. 
So as long as you get the uh, image of him doing a triple somersault before smashing his grab hammer into the floor out of your head, <laughs> it's lovely. Uh, am I allowed to tell you to shut up on a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so and as to my second choice, let's move it on before we spend yeah. the whole podcast talking about this. Um, I'm pretty sure it's also going to be your number one. Maybe. Um, if I say Space Marine. Space Marine! Space Marines! <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, like. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to admit that is somewhere on my list. <laughs> so, yep. So, oh, what a game. Yeah, what a game. my number one, your number two. It is. Oh, it just it just captures the feeling of being a Space Marine to me. Um, I guess to start with, it's also our only, I was about to say, only like first slash third person shooter, but it's not. There are a few others. Um, um, there's not yeah. many. Yeah, there aren't actually all that many good 40k um, shooters out there, to be honest, yet. Um, and we've already talked about <laughs> I Dark, think but... Eternal Crusade maybe existed for like... Oh, seconds. Eternal Crusade was poorly. Yeah, um, let's not, yeah, not go there. It was, uh, first off, it was good, right? It was, it was essentially a Gears reskin, wasn't it, I think, for the most part. Um, but just, only slightly? It, mm, I wouldn't even go that far. It's, it just wasn't very good. Um, no, no, I'm sorry, I mean Space Marine. Oh, right, yeah. Oh, Space Marine oh, was based oh, on oh. Gears, which is a very good game. Slightly, was... I'd say, with its like rolling and movement, I guess. But nothing it, else. It was, and it wasn't. It had similar mechanics, but it was also very One different. One or two, I think. yeah. It was very uh, different, actually. It had yeah. much more of a focus on close combat, less of a focus on um, using cover and whatnot. Yeah, there's there's no none of that waist height, <laughs> like yeah. sticky cover thing going on everywhere. Yeah, they didn't build things in rectangles in, uh, <laughs> in uh, Space Marine. And if they did, you could just run through it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, Space Marine was absolutely fantastic. Again, I know we've said it every time, but just because of the law, wasn't it? Like you felt like a Space Marine, and the orcs felt like orcs. They were yes. fantastic. Yeah, um, and getting like it was it was near spot on. You know, like you'd bash the crap out of an orc, pretty much any orc one on one, and then suddenly there's like twenty of them, and even if it's just orc boys, if you're surrounded by twenty of them, it's kind of worrying sometimes. Yeah, like, it can get those higher difficulties like. 20 York boys and a knob somewhere, and you, you're suddenly really struggling. It's like, uh, ooh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And oh, like in the feeling when you had a jump pack and a thunder hammer, say, oh, and oh, you were just like, oh, soaring around, smashing the crap out of everything. Like, wow. Oh, what a yeah. game. What a game. Grab hammer execution where you like hit them onto the floor and then golf club their head off. <laughs> How could I forget? It was so good. All of the executions were fantastic, actually. It was a really well-made game, to was... be honest. It didn't receive the praise it deserved it at the time. It captured the 40k universe so well. Yeah. I just adore it. That's the, yeah, that's that. It, yeah. It did. Well, Dawn of War did the entire 40k universe, at least for its, for its time. Um, Space yeah. Marine took, you know, Space Marines and Orcs and just did it phenomenally well. And chaos, <clears throat> uh, without wishing to spoil anything. I, I mean, spo- I guess spoilers are very much acceptable at this point when it's this old. It's been out but... since 2012. You should have played it by now. Um, if you haven't, like, get on it. It's a phenomenal yeah. game. The multiplayer, um, unfortunately, is now dead. It was pretty good. I touched the multiplayer briefly, but I never properly played it. Is it are you I'll... sure it's dead? Uh, on PC? I'll, I'll give it a go later. Because I know it was on, like, Xbox 360 at that time, which might be dead, but... I yeah, thought the, act- the Steam version was still active because I thought I had some friends play it not too long ago. Yeah, when I say dead, I mean not very many people playing it. Not like... Oh, I mean, that's fair enough. There's yeah. still like horde modes and things to play with your friends, though, so it's still it's useful. Um... I will absolutely sing the praises of um, even more was the Space Marine customization. It was mm. immense. You cool. had about 
10 different marks of armor that you could um, put on your marine, and you could design them piece by piece. So you could have different helmet, breastplate, backpack, greaves, shoulder pads, um, possibly a couple of other bits. I can't really remember. Oh, it's been a while since I played it. was pretty cool. It was actually and, a phenomenal game. And you could edit each different piece of armor's colors, color schemes, so you could really do what you wanted. Uh, I mean, I even mm. used it to test paint schemes that I might be doing on actual minis. It was that good. Fair. And all of the colors they use use the, well, what were the GW paint, paint range. Yeah, so it used to use the GW paint range. I mean, it's actually pretty cool, isn't it? Because that's a good paint range. Like, if I had that many colors to customize from a game, I'd be happy. Yeah. Um, and... I mean, I guess you could, like, RGB, but like, I'd still be happy with the paint range. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Space Marine, excellent game. Yeah, really is phenomenal. I, mean, I was, I was going to say, before we finish this uh, segment up, were there any honourable mentions you wanted to briefly bring up? I know we mentioned some of the failures and things in other games already, but were there any games that we didn't touch on at all that you wanted to talk about at all before we move on? Uh, not any that I want to talk about at length, two that I will quickly mention. Uh, Inquisitor Martyr is an okay game. Ah, yeah. Uh, it's all right. The uh, campaign is decent. Every, it's a very decent game. It's not particularly standout, but it does capture the feel and the lore of 40k quite well. Uh, oh, what's the other one? There's like side scrolly one. Um, oh man, I'm gonna have to remember the name of it. Platformer. No, not it's not platformer. Um, it was. Hang on, I'm gonna. Well, the mobile game, Carnage. No, it wasn't a mobile game. It was an Xbox, if I remember. Um. Do, 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 do. Mm. See if I can find it. Well, while you think of it, uh, I'm going to make one of my honorable mentions, uh, okay. which is Space Hulk. Oh, wait, I've... yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think the... Um, I said there aren't really many shooters. Um, I haven't actually played the, the first-person Space Hulk. Um, the first-person because... Space Hulk? Yeah, uh, Deathwing. Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it was originally uh, PC and PlayStation or something, and I was Xbox at the time. So I, I, I haven't played that one, but I should because it is very good. I've seen things on it. Um, it is, it's good. Uh, you need other people to play it with realistically. Um, I've actually kind of heard the opposite. I've heard that it's, it's really fun to do as a group, but a lot of its campaign elements and like immersion are lost when you do it with a group because it's just like, now go to this room, now go to this room, now go to this room, you're done. There's no, like, you don't really understand why you're going there anymore. Yeah, you do kind of need to slow down and kind of take things in with it. But uh, yeah. Um, I'm talking about, uh, like, the, the board game ported to PC when I say Space yes, Hulk. That that's is. the one I played. And it is good, but at the end of the day, it's still just the board game. Um, even the newer one where there's, like, loads of shiny customization and options and upgrades, and you get a good feel of campaign as your Space Marines develop over time. Like, it's really good, don't get me wrong. But yeah, I feel like it, it just missed out. Yeah. Okay. Did you find the name of the game you were thinking of? I did. It was uh, a game called Kill Team. Oh, yes. I, mean, I think I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was like um, it was a bit like Call of Duty Zombies Arcade Dead Ops mode. Yeah, yeah. Sort of. Yeah, yeah. So like, it's um, top down or kind of about <laughs> move with one joystick, down, shoot um, with the other. Yeah, exactly. And you could pick between a Devastator and Assault Marine and Tech Priest. Oh, tech a librarian, a librarian, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you basically it was fun. Levels, it's yes, yeah, just a kickback and shoot things game, really. It's uh... and you could do that with a friend. Yeah, you could do that with... yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think we ever did that, but we should no. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> it was okay. Like I didn't, I didn't love it. At the end of the day, it was very small as a game. I guess it's very um, okay. But it was a nice. Yeah, one. it was very okay. There was it was a bit of a yeah, it was a bit of a sort of small game. I guess there wasn't tons to it. Yeah, yeah. that was right. 
my final honorable mention because this is uh yeah this is a long one now um all right is fire warrior i was about to bring that one up the yeah. super ancient 2003 that one came out in really i thought yep. it was earlier than that no 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 actually no i guess hang on, how, was, how would i even tell <laughs> Uh, yeah, PS2, PS2. Obviously, I didn't play that one at the time, but <laughs> no, um, did I? Even back when I played it, it kind of held up, with the exception of the graphics, which were pixely, very pixely. Well, <laughs> um, they were bad for a PS2 game. Like, it's it's not a good game, but it's it also is. It's a weird one. I tell you how I look at it. Like, my opinion of that game is kind of like uh, Republic Commando for Star Wars. If anyone's played that. Because uh, okay. they're both like they're both very old. I know that Fire Warrior is even more like awful graphics, but they both do like do the un- like do universe quite good justice. When I'm firing a space marine as a fire warrior, it's terrifying. A space marine is gonna kill me horribly. Yep. And it feels like I feel like a fire warrior. It's great. And for its time actually, I think it was a good game. It was okay, yeah. Um I'm not gonna say it was a good game. Because I don't think it was particular game. <laughs> I don't think it was all that great. I think um, if it was remade now with pretty graphics and slightly clean up the mechanics, you could oh, leave yeah. the vast majority of it, and, and it, everyone would look at it and go, "Oh, this is an amazing game." I would absolutely play it if they updated it. Uh, yeah, like if they I just sort of revamped it, like they're revamping um, Republic Commando. Are they? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Star Wars news. If you're a Star Wars fan, oh, I know it's not relevant here, but uh, just a quick one. I think you'll probably have upset quite a few people comparing Fire Warrior favorably to uh, Republic Commando. <laughs> no, no, I didn't say. I didn't say it was better than Republic Commando. I, okay. I, I look at them in a similar light. They're oh. both amazing old games with bad graphics, like oh, they're both shooters, like you know. bad graphics. <laughs> no, the original? Are you sure? <laughs> like, you debate that we're not. We're not going to go into okay. it for for. For a 2021 game, well, it, yeah, it doesn't compare. I know it? it's not, but you know, like we're talking about games that are out now, so we are comparing them to new games at least. All right, um, fine. So that's you know that's why they get stuck in the same book. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, that was, uh, so, probably quite a long segment. So uh, yeah, we'll move on to the next. Yeah, we'll move on now. <laughs> and on to our whispers from the warp segment. So Ben, I believe you have been cooking up something very uh, zinch themed for this week's segment. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so, as uh, in case you don't remember from last week, our whispers from the warp segment is our section where we've come up with some games for you to try in your games of 40k, uh, yeah. some special rules and scenarios. And as Luke said, yeah, um, we've come up with some zinch themed rules. Last week we had we had yeah. the presence of Nurgle corrupting <laughs> your battlefields. <laughs> we had a um, COVIDy battlefield over there, uh, and then uh, very... Nurgle's rot. I mean. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, the uh, reward for that was uh, basically COVID grenades. So, <laughs> yeah, near enough. I mean, uh, yeah. And in this month's I Dwarf, it's still looking at Wars on Caradon and still the presence of Nogle. But there were um, there were a few uh, the acolytes of Zinch knocking around one of the worlds. So I thought, you know what? Let's stick with the theme of Chaos Gods. But this time we'll move on to something Zinch themed. Excellent. I suspect the next two will also include Corn and Slanesh. I'm very much looking forward to the Slanesh one. <laughs> well, maybe, yeah, yeah. It seems like to stay on theme, maybe. But let us know. What do you think? You can get in contact with us and tell us what, what would you like rules for. Are you looking forward to other Chaos Gods, or would you like something slightly different? Some um, Gork and Mork based. <laughs> <laughs> or, I don't know, you know. Uh, or maybe. Gork and Morka based rules. 
<laughs> it doesn't have to be god based you know could be different locations of battlefields or whatever scenarios um okay right. so cool. this uh this week's rules is called the zinch warps warp, yeah, zinch warp silence the corrupting influences of zinch twist the battlefield and an unnatural silence has fallen upon the battle warriors shout to their comrades who can barely hear them from mere meters away and many are driven mad an unnatural presence is felt across the battle Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a spooky silence, and you know, even where people are shouting, there's long, large, like blasts and explosions, like you can barely be heard. That, okay, awesome. Let's. Uh, how is this going to affect the in-game rules? So we have a handful of rules that uh, a handful of you know effects that are going to take place. First of all, with such a unnatural silence, even when you know you're shouting to your comrades, they can barely hear you. So all aura abilities are reduced by three inches. So you're going to have to get all that closer to benefit from re-rolls and buffs to make sure your commands are still heard from your leaders. Mm. Yes, however, there is a buff to having a leader within three inches. Um, there I, absolutely is. I believe, if, you are, if I remember the rules correctly, uh, we have been over these. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, if you're within three inches of a HQ unit, was it? Or just yes. Character? Yeah, HQ unit, you get to use their leadership save. Absolutely, yeah. So the rule, unexpected clarity. When the only thing you can hear, because everything else in the battle is shut out, uh, is your commanding officer. Well, you know, it's remarkably simple to do what he says. <laughs> so that'll be handy, you know. That being said, being in absolute silence uh, with no noise whatsoever has been proven to drive people quite insane. Uh, science has shown to that. So that is absolutely reflected in this battle. And the next rule is that any unit that is beyond range three of any other unit on the battlefield, so they're totally alone, uh, receives a minus two leadership modifier. Oof. That mm-hmm. can be uh, quite nasty for deep strikers. That's the... Uh, yeah. Well, deep strikers and actually just that entire like backboard running battle. Empty areas, yeah. yeah. I don't think it'll be that big a deal because a lot of the time, you know, like in melee, the opponents are going to be there and that'll be enough. But I think there's two scenarios where it'll where it'll be slightly a problem. Maybe you want to think about it. And the first one is when you've just been shot. Yep. If all your guys have been shot to pieces and you're all alone, then you're just sort of, yeah, you're going mad in the silence, like <laughs> unable to hear your screams, all the screams of your dying friends. And oh, it's insane. Oh, that'd be awful. Um, and the second one, which I think is maybe my favorite, was, is where this would really apply, is after you've just finished a battle completely and you've butchered the enemy to the last man in a, in a frenzied melee and then you're left there standing over the corpses of your friends and enemies of your friends and enemies so you're alone there's just your unit left because you've finished the enemy completely but you still have to take your leadership test and <laughs> you're going to get the minus two because they're gone oh, that <laughs> so is- you're just you're just there like staring at the corpses like <laughs> this harrowing overwhelming sensation of like you know twisting corruption and bearing like it with the horror that you've just witnessed um, that is really really dark which so, is it's not? great though it's 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 fantastic right 40k oh. that's how it should be so um so that that could that could affect your game you know that could yeah. uh, cause some running so what kind of a assuming that you're going to be running this in a crusade campaign what kind of rewards are you going to get from this mission Actually, before I move on to that, there is one last rule I wanted to touch upon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... okay. <laughs> <laughs> we did chat about it. And that's, you know, Zinch is very much present in this battle. Oh, of course. Um, rule. There's, there's not yeah. just bad things, you know. Zinch is, Zinch is for a reason. And 
the psychers in the battle they can if they're well uh, i say if they listen carefully but it's very easy to listen carefully when there's nothing to be heard so the, the psychers can hear a slight whispering a voice in the back of their mind corrupting them and telling them what to do and how to act and advising them on how to best fulfill their goals and to reflect this in your game um every time you cast a psychic power before you roll to manifest the power um, you can choose as to whether your psyker is going to listen to the voices. And this can be positive. You, if you choose to listen to the voices, you get plus two to your casting roll, which is great. So you're more likely to get your powers. And a lot of the powers benefit from high rolls. So you're more likely to get those high rolls and more powerful abilities. And the downside of that, though, listening to the whispers of Zeech, um, is that if you roll any double on your roll, unmodified, then your roll will, your psychable perils. So not just on a double one or double six, but a double anything. Um, so reliably better casting rolls, but much more reliable exploding in a fiery <laughs> ball of war. Yeah, you're, you're much more likely to take that D3 mortal wounds on your Psyker. And sometimes that's okay, you know, it's still only a one in six chance of perilsing. It's not that bad, but... <laughs> six. Yeah, this is where you roll like a double two and your psychic power fails and you still have to <laughs> you still have to deal with the the crippling influence of of the warp. <laughs> oh, this sounds like a great fun to me. I'd love to try this battle out. Let some psychers out. I'm just thinking you know, slightly off topic, but I'm just thinking at the moment of uh, lots of different like perils of the warp effects that you could have. Uh, I think <laughs> we'll have to do like almost a highlight on that because you can really come up with some creative ones. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Well, it reminds me, there used to be the old Perils of the Warp table, and you'd roll to see what happened to your Psyker. Maybe That's he was sucked right, into yeah. the warp. Maybe he was, you know, like, maybe he was buffed and got some kind of manifestation of warp energy, like, empowering him. Who knows what would happen? So, Wasn't there one where he could turn into, like, a warp sport or something? Like you that? absolutely, yeah, yeah. I think you could turn into... That's I mean, I know there I were remember. powers that allowed you to ascend to demonhood, um, but I think there were... At some points, there were yeah, there were similar abilities like that. You know, crazy things that happened. Yeah, and I'll, maybe I'll that would be a fantastic idea for a future whispers from the warp. We could come up with a, a better perils of the warp rule. <laughs> so when you perils, <laughs> you can make interesting things happen in your game instead of just oh, I'm wounded. You know. Yeah, uh, I could do like the old classic rogue trader thing where you'd have a D100 and like. Ooh yeah, <laughs> maybe like a, a D66 shot. rather than a D100. Uh, there's a lot to come up with on a D100. I think we could manage it. Probably could, yeah. Uh, let us know. Would you like? Would you like a massive table of crazy outcomes that could happen when you perils? Maybe you've got ideas for that. So let us know. And hopefully, yep, our website should now be available, so you could, you could check out our podcasts and give us your feedback and things. Uh, ben, hello. Right, well, Ben's disappeared, but as he was saying, hopefully we will uh, have our website up and running, so you'll be mm -hmm. able to check out our podcast in one convenient place, and uh, you'll be able to see all of our various posts on social media. Absolutely. Um, uh, can you hear me now? I, I can hear Fantastic. you Fantastic. Yeah, sorry about that. I must have had a bit of a technical error. <laughs> <laughs> but like I say, our website should be up and running, so you can give us your feedback. And one final yes. point before we move on, like you yep. mentioned earlier, was the victory bonus for Crusade games, if you choose to play these rules in ah, the Crusade. And... That is, in this case, instead of the standard victory bonus for the mission, you may choose to take the following psychic power on a psyker that fought in the battle. And this is, is in addition to any psychic powers you already know, so it won't stop you from taking other things. Uh, you just know this one as well, just in case you want to use it. And that is the Deathly Silence. It has a range of 24 inches and a warp charge of 6, which is quite nice and low. 
You select an enemy unit that is beyond three inches from any other unit excluding the caster, and they suffer minus two to the leadership and cannot benefit from aura bonuses until your next command phase. So you're pretty much just casting this deathly silence around that unit to drive them mad and cripple their effectiveness. Now, I think the best way to use that is going to be to stop things getting aura bonuses like um, the old, the classic old Iron Hands thing where you'd have aura, um, mm-hmm. you know, the Iron Hands death so you'd have auras backing up auras and it was just, oh, it's awful. Well, there's a, there's a oh, lot right. of lists that depend on auras going around. Uh, pretty much all there Space are, Marines yeah. like their auras, or sisters like their auras, um, even a lot of orc abilities and things. That was the one I remember least fondly, though, I think. <laughs> That's fair enough, I guess. Um, Oh dear. Okay, so um, like I said, let us know how your games go. And uh, we'll move on to our next segment. It's going to be the Math Hammer segment. And this week, we're going to take a little look at what's going on in uh, some competitive play, see what's successful, what's not, and how that compares to the survey that we showed you guys the results for last week. Yes, so I think we will all be quite surprised by the uh, results we've got based off the article we're looking at. Um, they certainly surprised me when I was looking at them as to what armies are doing well at the moment. Yeah, there's a lot of places um, that you can go looking for sort of uh, results on what's successful at the moment. And the place, I'm not going to spend ages talking about where to go to find your results. But I'm going to point out that one great place to look is uh, Frontline Gaming and the International Tournament Circuit. So there is an article they put out on the 16th of April, which is only a few days ago at this point. And it's given a sort of uh, idea of which armies and players have been doing really well. Uh, in big tournaments right now. Yes, it's a very useful resource. You can kind of see, well, I don't know. Should we read read it out? Should we, we, you know, (laughs) just start off? Yeah. Um, So, the current armies that were in the top uh, 10, is it? Yes. Well, one Chaos, two Custodes, one Sororitas, one Necron, two Death Guard, two Death Wing, um, Dark (laughs) Angels, and one Space Wolf. Immediately, I am surprised that there are no Space Marines in there, as in no conventional Space Marines. You've got your Space Wolves and your Death Wing, um, but you haven't got any... And Death Guard and Chaos. Uh, I'm not certain what Chaos is. I would argue that they're not really Space Marines. (laughs) No, 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 not conventional Space Marines. I I was surprised that they weren't in there. I was expecting to see something along the lines of uh, at least Blood Angels or someone. And I'll tell you what I was also surprised about. Uh, No Dakari. Uh... Doc Elder. Well, as some people may know, should be known. That's not <laughs> yeah, with their new codex coming out, and some of their rules looking really quite good. I'm surprised not to see at least a couple of okay, Dark Elder. Looked in into there. their codex yet? I know they had a few new models, which is normally quite a good sign that they're you know in a good place. Well, a new model, uh, if I remember it. But... Yeah. <laughs> um, I think maybe it's a it's a case of they're getting there. Um, or maybe it's just not in these specific tournaments that uh, we're looking at the articles and things for here. Um, but I'm going to say, to start with, uh, this actually looks a lot healthier than I was expecting. A lot of the time, um, it's a simple case of seven or even higher of the top ten being the single army that just had the yes. codex. Certainly, that, um, was, that was a massive problem which is, with eighth. And previous editions before that, even. You know, you often, a seventh, it was terrible. We, you know, it's often... A really unhealthy environment where one army just wins. <laughs> yeah, the power creep is real. <laughs> um, or even two or three. But in this case, we had, you know, looking at this top ten, we've got yep. seven different, different armies, armies in, the top 10, in there. Which is uh, yeah. very nice. Which, so we've only got a few repeats there, which is fantastic. And given that this is considering loads of different tournaments and things, it's quite good. It looks like we've got a, you know, a good idea of which armies are doing well. And it is quite varied, which yes, is pleasing. It's uh, quite nice to see that only just just over half are Imperium. 
bearing in mind how many Imperial factions there are compared to everyone else, and how much love they tend to get from the <laughs> WWE. Uh, specifically Space Marines. I don't know about necessarily yeah, all Imperium. Okay. <laughs> I th- yeah, I think it's maybe worth cons- looking at, uh, considering what codexes have come out. Some of these factions haven't seen codexes yet, this edition. Yes, I am surprised um, that we haven't got all of the ones. I mean, we've also got ones that should have had codexes out, or that have had codexes Yeah, Can't speak suddenly. We also have ones, factions that have got codexes out that aren't on here, like... Well, as you said, like Drakari, mm-hmm. Space Marines. Um, I can't think of any others at the moment. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, like Sisters, for instance. There's Sisters on there. And I know the Sisters are doing fantastically competitively right now. Um, and their codex was ages back. It's over yeah. a year ago at this point. So for them to still be like really strong on that, yeah. that's fantastic. It shows a, almost a level of health. <laughs> um, almost better than I've known for a while. Suddenly um, usable. Yeah, I mean, no surprise. There's two Death Guard and two Dark Angels because they're very yeah, strong of right now. However, while they do look extremely strong, I think maybe to the extent we're just looking at rather than codexes being absolutely ridiculously overpowered, um, they're just sort of hard counters to other certain factions, and or even the previous codex <laughs> faction. <laughs> oh yeah, I think I know what you mean. Um, like, so you know, we had the Death Guard, which were phenomenal, and they seemed really overpowered. But then straight away out came Dark Angels, which was, you know, which was kind of countered Death Guard really well. And then after that, out of come Dakari, which Dark counter Angels. the Dark Angels really well. So maybe it's a case of, you know, um, they are paying attention to what's seeming too strong and sort of balancing things well with new codexes yeah. and things. So overall, our meta is getting yes. healthier um, than previous editions and previous years. Yeah, I think there is a. Which I hope I think continues there is an to be the case. Of validity to that. Um, I don't think we'll continue to just see hard counter to whatever the previous decks was like over and over and over and over. But it's still nice to think that they're considering the wider sort of spread of armies and the wider influences and sort of rules of the whole game when releasing yes, a new indeed. codex. I think it is, as you say, very healthy and very nice that they are actually bothering to uh, look into uh, what needs adjusting and what needs countering and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So as a final point, uh, let's let's uh, compare this slightly and the sort of competitive things we're seeing and hearing to our um, our faction survey to see because I'm interested. Are people playing their favourite faction? We all obviously of want course. to play our favourite faction, and if it's competitive, yeah. we would. So, so the thing that jumps if we have out a look, at me here are the two. Well, the biggest faction and the other second biggest faction. Uh, neither of them are on there. So we've got the Space Marines at 15% and the Astro Militarum, or as uh, real men call them, the Guard. Um, (laughs) They are both uh, 15% and 12.5% respectively. Neither of them are on the uh, tournament stats there. I think Space Marines will constantly be there. Um, And I think they're still doing okay since Space Marine builds are strong. So I wouldn't worry about Marines. Um, Guard, yeah, we we know they're in a bad place. Um, (laughs) And I hope that a new codex will bring not only a lovely new military line, but also uh, it will put some life back into playing the guard. They are really struggling at the Um, moment. Yeah, I'm not too sure, actually, because I haven't got my guard out in a while, um, and I haven't looked too hard into what guard can currently do, but it doesn't seem phenomenal. it seems very, very generic, and when you're in like a land of superb rules and whatnot, it's just not going to go well for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Overall, this does seem to match better than I was expecting, uh, admittedly. I'm not so sure. Um, I mean, Chaos Marines, um, there are a few Chaos. We've got... Uh, Although that said, the Death Guard were on this. Yeah, generally speaking, there's um, a reasonable chunk of Chaos Mm -hmm. in both. 
very few custodies, but they are doing very well in the tournament at the moment. The two custodies. Yeah, I mean, custodes are kind of, they are so sort of specifically elite. All the units are so elite that some, you know, matchups they're bound to do well in and others they're kind of doomed by. It's difficult to balance them very well. They're kind of like Imperial Knights now. Yeah, no, I do understand you. There are matchups they're just going to do really well and others they're going to do horribly. So... I'm actually happy to see the Necron presence uh, in both because the new Necron line is lovely. So I'm glad to see that some people are using it to a great effect. The new model line, I think it would be very difficult not for them not to be, you know, kind of up there at the moment. Well, I think they that a lot of their models were really, really well play tested because back when they were released, it was before COVID, and you know we had time to sort of play test them more. So their a lot of the abilities aren't as overpowered or sort of unexpectedly strong than some of the newer codexes which they probably haven't had so much of a chance to play test as well so i think a lot of the necron rules especially a lot of their key units lacking the core keyword so a lot of their buffs don't work on things which we've kind of it's the only codex to really suffer from that i think so necrons yeah maybe they they could do with another look uh they're kind of suffering as one of the first codexes to have come out but probably not suffering as hard as those that don't have i mean power creep is always going to be a thing but when you haven't even got codex to be you know, power crept on. It's uh... <laughs> yeah, it's yes. going to suffer a little bit. Definitely, I'm going to mention orcs because I love my orcs. Um, even if it's not very relevant as a final point, because I feel like we've pretty much spoken about most as much as we can, just discussing the generic uh, tournament data that I've got here. I know that a few people have been doing well. There were a few orc lists that went, you know, one in five, five and one, five wins to one loss, and you know, or five and naught. Um, four yep. and one, that type of thing, uh, depending on tournament sizes. Um, and I've forgotten who was running those lists now. I should really look <laughs> up and <laughs> give credit to those people. Sorry if uh, they're listening, which I doubt it. But it's nice to see. But I think, generally speaking, they're rather weird lists. They contain what no orcs. Boys? Well, no orcs as a platform, uh, if you get what I mean. So there's no boys, no knobs, no tank busters, no looters, uh, no burners, no storm boys, no anything that's an orc. Vehicles and uh, um, vehicles and vehicles gretchen i mean you occasionally see like a war boss or something but even like mega knobs which we thought were doing well are gone um mm-hmm. flash kits aren't around like nothing that's an orc so and i think actually orcs aren't the only army that suffer from having like their competitive play style is very weird and not fluffy just taking like hundreds of mech guns and assortment of buggies and uh you know um and a death row, I'd say, is like a, it's a very weird list that's not particularly fucking to take. So I think orcs aren't the only faction that kind of suffer from having to take strange lists and order to be competitive. But hopefully this will improve, especially when we get a new codex out, which I'm Indeed. very much looking forward to. Bring on those, uh, bring on those snagger boys. Uh, <laughs> probably never going to get used to getting crumped by them. Well, we'll see. We don't know what they are yet. We don't know enough about them to well, really compare. But, true. Yeah. Um... It'll be very interesting and, to see uh, what they can do, though. Yeah. So next week, um, we're going to be doing a bigger, better faction survey. Because like we say, this one was uh, quite limited. It was preliminary before the podcast was going on. And now we're working with the big 40k Discord server and a few other places. We're going to try and get as much data in as possible. And we're actually going to just build a big database from all the people we speak to over time uh, of what people play. And then that'll really help us to give you better and more accurate data. So do consider looking on our website and other places. You know, we try and circulate this survey as well as possible once, once it's going in about a week's time probably with the next yep. podcast episode. And I think that's about I all we have time so. for today. Yes, I don't think there's anything else we want to cover today. <laughs> I mean, there's plenty I'd love to talk about. I could talk endlessly about 40k. Tired now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, so thanks very much for listening. And uh, we'll catch yes, you guys we'll in about a week's time. see you next time. week. And uh, as previously said, thank you very much for listening.